0: All good gifts around us are sent from heaven above. Then thank the Lord, oh thank the Lord, for all of his love. May I speak in the name of the living God, who is Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. What a joy it is to be with you this morning, friends. If there's anyone who hasn't met me just yet, I'm not sure there is, but my name's Sam. Uh, And I'm your pastoral assistant uh, for the next year here in the Sutton team. This is a role that will involve me working across the three congregations and being here for you uh, as a pastoral ear uh, and also lead new efforts uh, to reach out to our local community here in Sutton. Some of you will have come across me in previous roles I've held within the wider church and the diocese, but here in this capacity... I am totally yours uh, for the next year. Now, before we open God's word together this morning, I just want to put it out there uh, that despite these really difficult times when we can't get together uh, as we normally would, uh, I really want to get to know all of you as well as we possibly can uh, in these times. I know it's an odd time for me to be uh, arriving in light of uh, the pandemic and everything that goes with it. Um, So please do um, drop me an email uh, or give me a phone call. My uh, contact details were in last week's notice uh, sheet, so please uh, get in touch because it's always a joy to hear people's amazing stories and uh, hear how God has worked in your lives over the years. And it makes me even more grateful uh, to God for inviting all of us to be part of his holy church in all shapes and sizes. So please do get in touch. So, today we celebrate Harvest. We celebrate our Harvest Festival and we give thanks to God for our land, our environment. But more importantly, we give thanks for all the good things that God has given us in our lives. We've made our offering of food and other necessities to be distributed to those in our town who are less fortunate than ourselves And it's a really important thing to do, to to be, it's to be grateful. Part of our Christian life is to appreciate how lucky we really are and to never never let that go to our heads. Even when we're scraping the barrel and we can't see how we're going to make ends meet every month, which is far too common for us, especially here in St Helens. But we should always remember that there is someone out there that's worse off than ourselves. There's someone out there in God's wide, wide world that's somewhat, that's less fortunate than ourselves. Quite often the sad reality is that we don't need to look far to see abject poverty, absolute poverty. But we thank God that we have been so fortunate and out of our gratefulness for God's provision in our lives, we should be inspired to give to others as we've given this morning. As disciples of Jesus. We're called to respond to human need. By loving service. That's one of the Anglican marks of mission. I don't know how familiar you are with uh, the Anglican marks of mission. I've got to be honest. I'm probably going to talk about them quite a lot. Over the next year. Because they're so good. These five little statements. To help us understand what mission is really is what it is to serve Jesus in our everyday lives but this responding to human need by loving service it's part of how we give generously to those in need and we fulfill that gospel command of feeding the hungry to clothe the naked to plead for the helpless and to defend the oppressed The mark of mission that comes after this loving uh, need, uh, loving service responding to human need, is to challenge unjust structures of society in the proclamation of the good news. And that is something that needs to accompany our generosity, to be generous, to be loving to our neighbour, but then also respond to that by challenging what is wrong in society. And I think... We can all agree there's a lot of wrong in our society that we, as Christians, should speak up against and challenge. The reading that we've heard from Luke's Gospel, thanks Cathy for reading that, tells the story of a man who is very lucky indeed. This man is a landowner. He has a very successful business by all accounts, very profitable. He's been blessed by God with an abundant harvest from his land, Loads of crops for him to sell far and wide and make plenty of money. Now, money's a tough one, isn't it? I've always said how important it is to be uh, generous and there's always someone worse off than oursel- ourselves, as I've said this morning, blah-de-blah-de-blah. But when it comes down to it, we all have a relationship with money. In the world we live in, money's involved with everything. Us Christians are always sceptical when we hear the phrase, money makes the world go round. But sadly, we've got to be honest, in this unequal and unfair world that we live in, where everyone always seems to want more, where greed and the love of money have poisoned us as a people, we've got to be honest that money does sadly seem to be more important than perhaps we'd like it to be in our lives. Now this man that Jesus is talking about in the parable, he's done well for himself, great. But his relationship with money, it's where he's gone wrong. Instead of taking stock what he's been blessed with and then being inspired to use that fortune to go out and help others. Instead he said, no, let's have some more. And he's torn down his barns, he's built bigger ones... He's probably exploited his labour, his manpower along the way. He scaled up his entire business so he could sit back, relax and let it all take care of itself. What a wonderful thought in verse 19. Take life easy. Eat, drink and be merry. Wouldn't that be lovely? <laughs> take early retirement. Not having a care in the world. Lucky bloke. Well, he stored up all of these things for himself, but he hasn't done anything to be rich towards God. What does it mean to be rich towards God? Make sacrifices from his own money to help those less fortunate than himself, because that's what God wants from his people. He wants us to be generous, he wants us to use what we have to further his kingdom. And to show his love in the world. But this man hasn't done that. He's not been rich towards God. He's been rich towards himself. And that's prompted me to ask the question. What is it that we really treasure? What do we treasure? What do we value the most in life? It's always a bit of an uncomfortable thing to contemplate. Yes, you have the stock answers of family, friends, pets. Watching saints, having a pint down the pub. But subliminally, underneath it all, most of us have got to confess that we like keeping an eye on the pennies. We like to be sure that we've got enough money uh, to not have to give it all away. We like to keep hold of what we've got and build up more. And that's the world that we live in. I think, though, that lockdown, reflecting on lockdown, we've all had lots of time to reflect It's taught us a fair few lessons about what it really is that's important to us. Having those things so dear to us that we don't always take for granted. Just taken away from us in what felt like the blink of an eyelid. We could no longer see our family and friends. Even now with these new restrictions this week it feels in many ways that we're back at square one now. And we can't go out and live our lives as we want to. We're all so fortunate to have our lives. And we thank God for all the good things that we have, good health, loving families, a warm and supportive church community, and hopefully a reasonably healthy bank account. But if you're anything like me, we can too easily fall into the trap of not feeling secure enough. We can make ourselves feel uncomfortable with our financial situation, spurring us on to pursue more and more and more. Yes, you could look at that and on reflection think, oh, hang on, that looks like greed, that looks like he's being greedy. But when we actually stop and think about what it is that's fueling that wanting more and more and more, it appears to me that a lot of this so-called greed, especially in today's world, in places like St Helens, for a lot of us, I think it stems from worry. So how much do we worry? We all have a tendency to worry about things that are outside of our control. I'm guilty as charged. All my life I've been known for stressing out too much. My mum and my nan and my girlfriend are here this morning. They will testify. I've always worried more than anyone else. If I'd put something down somewhere, I would be freaking out. Where have I put it? I've lost it. I've lost it. Now I've moved into adulthood, I'm always stressed about being on time for everything, making a good impression on people, paying all my bills. Being fairly new to this odd concept of adulthood, I don't know how you've all put up with it, friends. <laughs> it's, it's it's pretty stressful. <sighs> but when, when we read this passage, when we read this passage in the second part of the reading, it's difficult to process In the light of today's world. Jesus tells his disciples pretty explicitly. Do not worry about your lives. But how on earth. In 21st century Britain. Can we even entertain the idea. Of not worrying when there is so much. To worry about. For most of us life is a bit of a struggle at times. As a country we're not only beset. ...by this coronavirus epidemic, which brings plenty of its own worries. Could I infect my elderly relatives? Would I survive if I caught this virus? Am I going to lose my job? How on earth are we going to recover as a country and as an economy? But as well as this epidemic, friends, we're also suffering a mental health epidemic. We're seeing record levels of anxiety, depression and many other mental health problems in our society today. Last week on the 10th of October, it was World Mental Health Day, when we raise awareness of mental health issues around the world and we mobilise efforts to support mental health. We worry more now than we've ever worried before. However, our faith in God calls us to do something different. When Jesus says, don't worry, we can't duck it because we don't like it. It's the same with everything that God's commanded us to do. Everything that God sends our way in scripture. That stretches us and challenges us. When others feel like everything is too much. Or they feel like they have nothing left. We as disciples are called to speak into that. And when people feel they've got nowhere left to go. where they feel they're empty. We speak Jesus into that. Jesus is enough to fill any void, any gap that people feel they have in their lives. Jesus has the yoke that will lift every burden. Whenever anyone feels heavy laden, Jesus will lift that burden. And I've always been hesitant to trust anyone other than myself. But when we let Jesus in, when we follow his example, we are led to trust God more than anything or anyone else. We trust that God is a God of provision. Who knows us personally. Looks after us as individuals. We have a father who knows what we need. But where do we draw the line? You know, it's easy to say, God will always look after us. God will always send help our way. But then there are times when we look back at our lives and think, well, where was God in that in the uh, Bible book club that we had on Zoom this week uh, as a team, uh, we looked at the book of Ezra. And in the book of Ezra, uh, chapter 8, uh, verses 21 to 23, we see the, uh, the people who have just been let back into Jerusalem after the exile in Babylonians, when the Israelites go back, they want to go on a pilgrimage uh, to um, go, go back in. But when they go... They want food, they want provision. So they um, pray to God that they'll be looked after on their journey and for food on their journey. But when they're scared of being attacked and and having their food supplies cut off, as a backhander, the king says, right, we need to get the army to look after us. So while they're saying we're going to go and pray and fast for provision, for protection, they also want to look after themselves as well and then when they've done that then they'll say we're trusting God I think for me friends that taught me that we need to be authentic in how we trust God yeah it's a big leap of faith we don't always feel comfortable in doing that but when we trust God he'll always come up trumps. One of my favourite parts of this passage is where Jesus talks about how God shows his abundant provision for his creation through nature. Using the examples of ravens, you know, birds. They don't seem to worry when you look at nature. You don't see birds worrying about where they're going to get the next meal from. You know, they don't count their bank accounts. They don't have storerooms or barns to store crops up in. Yet God feeds them And then Jesus assures us that we humans are a lot more valuable to God than birds. We're reminded constantly in scripture of how important we are as humans to God. 1 Peter chapter 2, 9 says we're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, God's special possession. Special possession. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 7, Paul quotes the psalmist from Psalm 8 affirming That God has made us as humans little lower than the angels. Little lower than God himself. We have to trust that we are all so precious to God. And he wants to provide for us. And that we should free ourselves from all of our worries. Jesus didn't worry about what he ate or drank. He relied on the generosity of others. Wouldn't it be a wonderful world if we could all rely on the generosity of others? Really, it seems like we're the only one of God's creation that worries. Friends, in these times of pandemic, it's easy to worry. In this modern world, caught up in social media, overworking and all other stresses of modern life, it's easy to worry. But remember that life is worth more than worrying. In verse 25, we learn that we can't do such a simple thing as to add an hour onto our life by worrying. We're not going to extend our lives by worrying. It's really not worth the effort. I pray in closing that as we trust God, as we find our rest and everything else we could possibly need in Jesus Christ, that we would leave all of our worries aside. I pray in doing so we would lose the tendency to value money so much over everything else. At the expense of all those other things that in life that are so much more important. I pray that through our faith in God and with hearts full of thanks and gratitude for all God's goodness to us. We will go out from this place today and every day. Seeking to be generous to others. Sharing our harvest, our own harvest, with others. So that together we might build a fairer world. A world with less worries. A world that looks more like the kingdom of God. My girlfriend Amelia reminded me this week of a Bible verse from Philippians chapter four, verse eight, to close. Don't worry about anything. Rather, hand all of your petitions over to God, and he will look after you. Amen.